Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our speaker today, Brother Buck Matthews, one of the overseers here at the assembly. We're glad to turn our ministry time over to Brother Buck at this time. Good morning. What a day was yesterday, huh? All those celebrations of, of uh, remembrances, I should say, and things like that. And I thought I'd just mention something before I start my message. Uh, Genesis 3 would be the passage, but <clears throat> you notice a lot of times they told these stories of, uh, of 9-11, um, how the people on that plane there up above the sky in Pennsylvania where the Declaration of Independence was signed actually in Pennsylvania. I always say that in the first oil well was in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of first things happened in Pennsylvania because I'm from Pennsylvania. So I'm proud of it, but I live in Florida. Huh. Figure that out. But they, they knew they were going to die. They knew that the plane had hit... Uh, the different places, the, the two planes at the towers and also down at the, uh, in, in Washington there. And uh, they knew that. And so they knew that they were going to do something or it would probably go and, and hit the Capitol. You've heard all this yesterday. But to think about it, they knew that they were going to give their life for someone that they may not have known, but yet they knew that they had the principles that, they had, and they lived in America. Most of them were U.S. citizens that they were dying for. And so they decided to give their freedom up to die for them. And that was very noble. And, but they, were, they knew that they were probably friends or relatives or something of someone's in the United States. But then we have the story that the Pentagon, the plane that hit the Pentagon there, uh, they they didn't know it was coming. And yet, they didn't know it was the day of their death. The same thing in New York City. They didn't, until it hit, they didn't know they were coming. And they didn't know that that was their last day on earth. Many of them. Now, there's a lot of heroes during that time. Some people, even though they could have got out, they stayed and to help other people that were injured, to get them out. And the, the first responders went in to the building that was falling down, and yet others were coming out. I mean, there's a lot of bravery going that time. And I can remember um, <clears throat> Linda and I, we were up in Michigan, and we got on the plane on the September 10th. We were going to go wait one more day, but we decided to go early. Hmm. And we headed down to Florida, and we got into our house, and and um, the next morning, someone called us from Michigan, Chris did, and said, uh, turn on your TV set. And there it was. And I remember, I heard also that my nephew, who worked in the Pentagon, two of them, one called in sick that day. So he was preserved. And one, it was his day off. But when he heard that he, he, what happened, so he went in. Maybe there's someone here, two brethren maybe might want to share a moment of time that you could think of when in 9-11, whether someone was preserved that you knew or that. I'll take time for that for a second. <clears throat> Don't be bashful. 
I know you weren't prepared, but... Uh-huh. Um, and that day, um, that certain things were going on that he was required at the White House instead of mm. that day. Mm. So he wasn't there in his office. Yeah. Anyone else? Maybe one more. Well, my son, Stephen, who was in the Coast Guard, uh, at that time, he was stationed in New Haven, Connecticut, and so he was on red uh, alert and locked down there. Um, because if you read the stories, too, that um, the Coast Guard on that day uh, in New York had moved um, over a million people from Manhattan to the other boroughs to evacuate them, and not only with their boats, but, you know, of course, they used the... Uh, took over the Staten Island ferries as well. <clears throat> so many people were saved. Yeah, it's a, so many stories about that. But when you think about it, there were people we loved and knew, and we would have given our life probably to save them. But when you think about Christ and the Word of God, how that it tells us that uh, uh, we were sinners, and, and, and that when... Uh, that God commanded the love towards us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ died not to save our life, but to save our soul. And what a wonderful, wonderful day that was when we realized that Christ died on the cross years ago so that we might be born again. Well, getting into my message now, we... I've been looking at questions. Last time we were together a few weeks ago, there was a question of what will you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ. And then I went on further into Hebrews, and I said, um, how shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? And I threw in another question, why would you want to escape this great salvation that we have through Christ? Well, today I've got four questions that were asked by God in the Old Testament. Three of them are in Genesis, two of them are in Genesis 3, and one is Genesis 4. And the third one is in 1 Kings 19, Elijah. That first question in Genesis 3 that God asked, we'll wait for a second, but first of all, the first question asked in the Bible I said the Sunday school kids aren't here. First question asked in the Bible was by the devil himself. He said, Yea, hath God said, You may not eat of every tree of the garden. Wow. Boy, Satan knows how to twist it, doesn't he? He didn't say that. God said, You can eat of every tree in, in the garden. Even in the midst of the garden, you can eat of the tree of life. But there was one tree that they should not eat from, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's just like Satan. I thought I'd bring that one first question of the Bible out to you. But, in the chapter 3 and verse 9, after they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God came into the garden and he says, where art thou? Now God knew where they were. He really did. And he wanted a response. And that's what he does every day right now when, he pre when we preach the gospel. Some of you know that you're lost sinners, 
But he wants you to respond and say, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Where are you? And uh, he asked Adam. Adam came up and said, well, we heard your voice. So we were afraid and we hid ourselves because we were naked. Ah, then God asked the question, how do you know that you were naked? Well, Adam did something that a lot of us do sometimes before we get saved. We, we blame other people for our sin that we did. My mom, my dad, I, I got raised up in, the, in a family that uh, were churchgoers, and they, they were fine in the building, but when they went out, they weren't churchgoers. They didn't ask like Christians. And then, might be some of you might say, well, I was born in a family where my dad was a drunkard, which is true with mine. And I could have blamed him for those sins that I committed because he was not a very good example. Well, here Adam is blaming Eve, the woman that you gave me. That's why I sinned. She took of that fruit, gave it to me, and I I had to eat it. Why did you have to eat it, Adam? Well, I don't know. We never know that answer to that question. And why did he talk to Adam first? The, the, the God of heaven. Now, Adam had the responsibility. Adam, he, he had the responsibility of, uh, of the whole creation. He had dominion over all, and yet he did not do what he should have done as the head of the house. Your sins, your sins have separated you between you and God. Your sins and iniquities. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they started blaming other people. Adam blamed the woman that God gave him. In James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, I'll read this verse, these two verses. Let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God cannot tempt with evil, neither tempteth God any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth death, condemnation. I ask you all today, God's question, that you should not ignore it. Where are you? Where are you today, here, now? Are you on the broad way that leads to hell? Or you in a narrow way that leads to life eternal. Believers, do you have a good relationship with Christ? Do you have fellowship with God? Do you talk to Him daily? And are you constant touch with Him, with God through the day? Remember that time, that salvation day. How that within you, your heart burned within you. You were so full of joy and, and gladness. And you said, I'm going to serve the Lord forever. Has that heart gotten cold? Is it still alive? Is it on fire for the Lord? That's your question that you need to answer. Non-believers, do you realize that you're on that broad way that leads to hell? And the only good thing about the broad way that leads to hell is today you can turn around and trust Christ and go into 
than Arrowhead. The only good thing about the Broadway, the end is, of course, eternal damnation. Today, God asks you, where are you? Well, let's go on to the question number two. Question number two is God asks the woman Eve. Eve, what have you done? What have you done? Do you realize what you've done? Well, what did Eve say? Oh, I'm so sorry that I did that. No. She said, the serpent beguiled me, tricked me, twisted the word of God. He made me do it. In other words, this is where the first expression happened. The devil made me do it. I've heard that expression a lot of times nowadays. And that's where it started from, the garden. Eve said, the serpent, he defiled me. He's the one. He beguiled me. He's the one that has done it all. <clears throat> then when God was finished with Adam and Eve, Eve brought forth a son. His name was Cain. In chapter 4, the end of chapter 3 and also 4, chapter 4, we have Cain is born, and then Abel is born as well. <clears throat> and the wages, that price that Adam and Eve paid for, is described in Genesis 13, in chapter 3, I should say, 17 and 19. The ground was cursed. Thorns and thistles came out. And they were going to work by the sweat of their brow to bring forth fruit from the ground. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, therefore death has passed upon all men. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God gives us hope. He always does. He gives us hope. He gave hope to Adam and Eve there in chapter 3, and verse 15 that there was going to be a battle between the seed of the woman, not the seed of man, but the seed of the woman, and the seed of Satan, his followers, his demons. There would be that battle even on the cross where they tempted Jesus and said, if you'll come down from the cross, we will believe. But they would not believe. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God gives us hope. He gives us hope in that he says this in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The, it's good to study Genesis because it's the origin of a lot of things that are brought into the New Testament. In fact, <coughs> the third question Brings it out right away. Third question is Genesis 4 verse 9. God asked Cain, where is thy brother? Where is thy brother? But God answers it in, in Hebrews 11 verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, that he was righteous. And God testified of his gift, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. 
Cain killed his younger brother. Adam and Eve brought that sin in, that, that, and that sin of not right for wrong, but also the sin of jealousy and evil. And Cain killed his younger brother because he was doing what was right. You know, a lot of today, today, a lot of religions, they have their own way that they feel is the right way. That Adam's way or, or the, the way in the Bible is not the right way. But the Bible says Jesus is the only way, the truth and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Today, I ask you the question, what have you done with your brother, not your physical brother in your family, but in the family of Adam? What are you doing? Are you walking according to God's pattern? Are you reaching others for Christ? Are you telling others about Jesus and his love? Have you trusted Jesus and his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you telling the story to those in the Adam's race? That is a good question. In Proverbs 14 and 12, it is quoted already. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I've already told you that Jesus is the only way. And it tells us also in Romans 3.10 that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift that we have is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Yes, there is hope. Even though in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4, says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Is there any lost in here today? You have to decide that. If our gospel be hid, it is then the lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. God has manifested Christ today to destroy the works of Satan. Romans 10 and 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 19. Chapter 19, I'm sorry, verse 9. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And we'll hear a question from God to Elijah. And the question was, what doest thou here, Elijah? In verse 9. What doest thou here, Elijah? You know, this event was after the event that Elijah was on Mount Carmel. And there he defeated hundreds and hundreds of prophets. 
And this prophet experienced the preserving grace of God there at the brook Cherith, where the ravens fed him. And the ravens loved the meat, but they brought that meat to Elijah. And he experienced that. He also experienced the idea that when he went into the countryside and he saw a widow there and a widow's son to have their last meal, they were going to have it. How were they going to provide for him? It was an unusual situation, but, but Elijah experienced that God provided for him and for those people. You know, sometimes believers, when you're on that mountaintop defeating the enemy, you finally understand that after that day that you've done something for the Lord and you've seen great blessing, and then the very next day, bang, Satan wants to hit you with something. He wants to bring you down. And after he did that, after Elijah did that experience on the mountain, the Queen Jezebel, she said, you're going to die. And he ran from her. And that's what God is saying in today's language. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why? Did you not realize and see all that was done through you by me? Did you not understand all those experiences were experiences for you to learn from? Why are you here? What are you doing here? I've got things for you to do. But before that, Elijah started giving his own excuses. Oh, they're, they're evil in, in Israel. They're evil. And I'm the only one left, Lord. And you know that's not true. There were 700 others that were alive, that were serving God at this time throughout Israel and throughout the world. Here we have Elijah going through a situation that maybe you've gone through. Maybe you've seen, you've seen something happen in your family. Souls are saved. And then all of a sudden, something happened to you. You got hurt or you got injured or you became sick. And you, and you start feeling sorry for yourself. Lord, woe is me. And that's what Elijah was doing. Woe is me. I, I want to die, Lord. And God says, get up, Elijah. Go. There's things for you to do. There's, there's a bunch of, the word of God needs to be proclaimed by, by you. And, and understand that Elijah took his eyes off of God. That's what happened that day. He took his eyes off of God and looked inside and saying, woe is me. But God came where he was. And he asked him to consider what he was doing there. And after that pity party that he told God, the condition of God's people and so on, and saying that he was only alone, God spoke and said to him, and, and he said, I think there's work to be done. The people of Israel need your messages. You have left the flock of Israel to wolves. And the worshipers of Baal are tearing down on my altars and building their own. And remember the prayers and the vows that you did there on the mountaintop of Carmel. Am I not your God? Who is mightier than wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel? Why are you afraid? And I want to ask you today. Have you taken your eyes off God? Have you lost that experience that you had that day you got saved? 
God wants fat Christians. I know you'll laugh at that. Fat Christians mean God wants faithful Christians. He wants available Christians and he wants trustworthy Christians. In the offerings in the Old Testament, God wanted the fat for himself. A sweet smelling savor unto him. Now today's message in summary is question one. Where art thou? Are you saved or are you lost? Question two. What hast thou done? Are you workers for God's righteousness? Only if you are Christian can you work the works of God. And the question three, where is thy brother of the family of Adam? What are you doing to lead others to Christ? And then, what doest thou here, Elijah? Are your eyes off the goal? Are you turning away from Christ or are you serving God? Well, Ephesians 6, verse 13 to 17 says, Are you living your life in worldly pleasure? Wherefore, Take upon you the whole armor of God. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. May the God of peace use us to do what he would have us to do. Above all, may we stand fast for him, ready to render service when he needs us. Here's hoping you people here today will understand and consider these questions. Where am I? I'm born again. What, what doest thou here? I'm here to serve. Where is thy brother? I'm working on reaching others. And what doest thou, Elijah? Will God be able to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Many other questions that we'll get into probably another time down the road. Maybe get into the New Testament or something. Some questions there. But that was my meditation on those four questions. Let us pray. Our Father, we look to thee now. We we give thee thanks for the word of God. It's a sharp two-edged sword. Pierces in, divides, and conquers. It reaches the lost. It encourages the saved. We trust our Father, you will take this word, these questions, that they might ring our ears for a while and we might understand. What are we doing here? Why are we here? Why aren't we on the mountaintop? Why aren't we out there serving the Lord? Let us be convicted by these things. Let us understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that we have a purpose here on earth to serve him, to be protected by that wicked one, his darts. And at the same time, we have the word of God and we have prayer, which is the most strongest armor that a believer could wear. We know that Satan trembles when the youngest child of God is on his knees praying. Oh, Father, we remember those yesterday that have lost their lives, 
Some didn't realize they were going to do that. And we trust our Father that it was used to reach others that say, where am I? What am I doing? Where am I? In, in the... Our Father, we're just committed all to Thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.